0: Wreck yard every Wednesday night. Tungy, we're back.
1: Here we are.
0: Hey y'all. So this is a little different for us. First of all, I'm not in my normal location. When Where are you
1: at? You look like you're at someone's um, apartment. It looks vacation-y
0: vibes, yeah. right? So this is a backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> I am in my grandson's room his bedroom uh their bedroom i should say uh because you know i don't have good internet and i have to i have to have a traveling studio
1: (laughs) nice well you well it's either that or you were coming to us from the afterlife because you seemed kind of in and out of the picture (laughs) it has
0: that vibe right but i didn't want the bunk beds in the background so i didn't know but you know what if you're listening I'm glad you don't have to see all of this. <laughs> we it, we are pre-recording today because Tunchi has some some things going on tonight that I'm going to let her tell you about, but you guys are watching us live on the rec yard women's prison podcast wednesday nights 7 p.m central time that's when we're going to stream this i'm going to be watching with you guys so uh i'm here in the comments you guys chat with me and ask questions and i'll answer as we go or ask questions for the next episode and we'll we'll answer them then also so we tooch. let's do a let's do a re a recap of the week. Uh, But I do want to say we have a special guest, she's going to hop on here in just a few moments. And she has some experience in the juvenile justice system here in the state. Uh, She has experience as a mother of an incarcerated daughter, a spouse of an incarcerated husband, and she has a lot lot to share. So I'm excited for that. So first, let's start with where are you? right now while our audience is watching live and and you're
1: yeah so i'm um going with a, a group uh, that does some programming inside of the mark facility near waco in mcclennan county and uh we're going to talk to some some girls that are in uh the texas juvenile justice department uh it, it it's kind of a big deal for me too uh marcy because i haven't been back in a tjjd facility since i was 15, 17, something like that. So um, it, it, you know that feeling, well, I know Brittany knows that feeling of like going back inside um, after you've been released from a facility, but this is even like elevated for me because this is the youth system and where I, and I'm so excited that Amy's going to be here because we're going to talk about our time. But um, yeah, so I'll be talking to the girls and um, it's called Power Chats and they'll get to ask questions about the work that I do, um, how incarceration changed me, you know, just you know, being a voice of uh, lived, lived experience for them so that they can see that there's hope after um, incarceration. I think that's
0: so incredible. I'm so incredibly proud of you, proud to be uh, your co host on this show and your friend in life because it's just really impressive that it does take a lot to a lot of gumption to not just leave all of that trauma of your past behind, but to use it to help, help the people coming after you. So that's really huge. And we look forward to hearing all about how it went next week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right now we want to talk about um, what, what, what happened this week?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, Linus, uh, our, our group that we work with is continuing, uh, to keep the pressure on about that, that heat inside of our Texas prisons. You know, Serena called me yesterday from the Riverside unit. And, um, she's like, Jennifer, it is so hot. Cause it was 115 in the car yesterday. Um, and she was like, I, I almost feel delirious like and you can hear it in her voice when and I said girl why didn't you call me the other day she was like well I just I was trying to save money on the phone and I kind of went off on her Marcy I said no ma'am you call me every day so I can make sure that you're alive um so uh yeah I mean we also heard from a mom this week that reached out to us that she was just having a horrible time trying to figure out Securis. If y'all don't know, um, Texas prisons are moving to digital mail only. Uh, and so she's trying to set up her Securis account. She's an older lady. You could hear it in her voice. She's like, just, and she said, I'm feeling kind of desperate about this right now. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart.
0: I listened to that recording and she talked about that's how she maintains her relationship. She said, My daughter and I have a wonderful writing relationship. And they're she's so scared to lose that because of this new system. Uh, and she's not the only one to I I'm getting comments like that all over um, all over our social media platforms talking about they don't know how to set up the securus account. They, you know, I mean, this is this is going to negatively affect families across this state for for certain
1: yeah and and we we did reach back out um diane who is the linus correspondence guru uh she did reach out to the to the mom and she talked to her extensively tried to help her through the you know set up the system and you know said hey do you mind if i reach out to your daughter to tell her about our group so that she can feel supported and uh, she did so. And and the girl, I also posted that on Twitter, her response. And she said what her mom said, like, this is, I feel more and more isolated um, from my family. And um, it's a struggle. But she was really excited that there were a group of women out here that, you know, she could build community with. So I, I was grateful for that connection. But I'm just real frustrated about the male stuff and we have a, a board meeting coming up for tdcj <laughs> they i don't they're not real excited that we're advertising it i don't think and but even though it is open to public comment you have to really dig for that information on their website which also doesn't include the location or the time right but we you know we figured out when that was going to be and they they uh, contacted somebody in our group and said can y'all please remove the uh social media posts that look like it's branded by tdcj girl all we did was use the color scheme and their name right but it said we welcome families to join us meaning the advocacy groups but tdcj was mad that it sounded like well that sounds like they're encouraging people which
0: like they want people there (laughs) and they definitely don't (laughs) They don't want us there. But what they don't know is we are going to be there. They, we have a big group going. We are encourage anyone who has loved ones or concern for what's happening in our prison system in the state of Texas to show up. And it's open to public comment and no, we don't know the time yet. We did get confirmation. I received an email the day before yesterday. I I got an email back because I sent like three emails just to whomever I could find their email address and said, hey, where is this? When When and where we want to be Mm -hmm. there? And I got back the confirmation that it is at that really lovely resort.
1: Well, that was another thing too that I and I, I told Marcy and them, I was like, I don't know if this was productive. I just couldn't help myself. And so I posted a screenshot of the the uh, the hotel. It's uh, on Galveston Island, it's a resort and a conference center. And um, it goes up to $600 a night, depending on the room that you pick. So there's usually looking at the meeting notes from the past, you know, there's 10, 15 people that that from TDCJ that have to be at this meeting. And I guarantee you, they're not staying at the super eight that we're gonna have to stay at, right? Like they booked a room where the meeting is, Um, but we can't afford uh, temperature control in our prisons, but.
0: And I think that they might use that as a deterrent as well, because generally speaking, families that have incarcerated loved ones don't have money to stay in a $600 a night resort. Um, but what they don't know about us is we'll sleep in our car right. to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're showing up and that's August 25th in Galveston. The information is on our social media p- uh, pages, but the time is to be announced because they still haven't confirmed. And frankly, they might not confirm the time until the very last minute. Yeah so we're staying
1: the night the night before
0: and and we'll
1: be there we <laughs> so. we all going to be up there at that resort wandering around where's the meeting room um yeah the, <laughs> god that oh boy they hate us i wonder so if we called the
0: resort i wonder if the resort would tell us the time because you know they, they have, have to the book meeting that room, room. book
1: yes yes they don't have it booked for just all Marcy, day i would this mean. is why i love you is that Honey, you know, I tell people all the time, if you try to cross or run game on women who have done time, you you are sadly mistaken <laughs> because we are a special breed of, um, I don't know what the word is, tenacious and creative. And uh, yeah, so I love it. That's a good idea.
0: You know, remember when we were at the ledge and I don't even remember what we were testifying on at that particular time, but it got delayed and it got it was out representative Alma Allen's Mm -hmm. bill and it got pushed back and pushed back. And we had been there since eight or nine in the morning. And at this point, it's like seven thirty or eight at night. And do you remember the representative that came over and he's like, I just can't believe y'all are here (laughs) like y'all just tough like everyone else left. But there we were, a whole row, row full of women that have lived experience in the Texas prison system. And I just said, sir, you know, I I waited in prison for yeah, right? some Like
1: This is <laughs> this is a cakewalk, sir.
0: And and I can go to the bathroom when I want. Yeah, <laughs> right? like,
1: we are good, honey. We've got our yeah. snacks that we're not supposed to have in here and we know how to eat that quietly. And there's a bathroom and we just tag team. I mean, we're good. We'll wait here till three in the morning. It's fine.
0: Yes. Yes. We are not going anywhere till our voices are heard. So uh, anything else from this past week? What about last night? The grassroots? Oh, yeah. um, It was um,
1: a night for liberation and safety. I hope I got the title right. Um, And it was at the City Hall uh, in downtown Austin. And it was just an event, a community event with music and food and, and some poetry readings and tabling event, you know, around the, the site. And it was just essentially like reimagining what does safety mean to you? Safety doesn't mean more police. It doesn't mean more prisons and jails. Uh, it means investment in the community. So it was a good event.
0: So uh, Linus did have a table there, our website scrolling across the bottom right now. Uh, if you are interested in supporting that movement, it, Linus is a group of previously incarcerated women in Texas making big changes within the legal system in Texas. You're, you can say it so much smoother. No, you me. got Too it. Much. That was great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you just, just jo- join us. Hop on this uh, website and follow us on our social media and be part of the change. We would love to have you. Speaking of being part of the change, we have a special guest, uh, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, Her name is Amy Broadnax, and I'm going to bring her on now. Should I just? I should just throw her in. Throw her in. Throw her into the wreck yard. (laughs) (laughs) New. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> old fish, old fish, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Amy, I'm so excited to um to have you here, especially talking about you know our experiences in the youth system. Um, I I we found each other on LinkedIn, which, by the way, I hate LinkedIn. I'm very I'm often not on there. I try to post on there because I know it's important, but I'm so grateful that we were able to to find each other. I saw some of your videos. Um, on other platforms. And I was like, Oh my God, it's, it's a girl from Braun. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm super excited for you to be here. And thanks for always tuning in when you can catch us.
2: Uh, You're, I, you are a character. I, I, when I, when I first found you, I didn't make the connection of who you were at first, but I knew you were a disruptor and I'm like, who is this disruptor? I like Mm it. You know? And then when I realized you were who you were, I was like, Oh my God, You know, it's like the stories coming together and now uh, who would have ever thought that we would be where we are today and how things come full full circle and we're actually giving back to a community that caused us pain.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Well, can we talk about how you girls know each other? How how did y'all first meet?
1: Yeah, Um, go ahead, Amy. (laughs)
0: uh, Well,
2: um, we were, we've been disruptors since we were teenagers uh, and uh, we both ended up being shoved into the juvenile justice system and we met at bront um, a facility that was uh it was called coke county juvenile justice center in bront texas um, we were all um wards of tech the texas youth commission at the time and uh, we were part of an experiment for a new facility in the state of Texas, and um, she was on the dorm in front of me, and I was in the dorm behind her, um, and uh, we we met through the juvenile um, hall, at, you know, or TYC uh, system, and uh, we somehow reconnected later in life. I mean, it's it's kind of like I, I don't even it's unbelievable but it's like I said, it's something that's coming full circle. And I think that we both definitely have a lot of purpose and um, we're walking it, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> you know, the the facility, the Coke County Juvenile Justice Facility, uh, for y'all that are listening and we can provide posts too, um, notorious facility and so it was a private facility that was operated by the wackenhut Cor- corporation uh, which now goes by the geo company because they've had so many lawsuits um, but horrible facility out in Bronx, texas near san angelo you've got this very rural area so these girls this was the first time they opened a facility that would just be for girls because previously we were at um Giddings, at getting's which is still open um and it was co-ed at brownwood so we're like oh we're gonna put the girls in one place and um and we can talk a whole nother episode about the problems with private prisons uh but so this is what we talk about with facilities being in rural areas that families can't get to right so we felt so isolated like i felt so isolated like whatever's happening at this facility nobody knows about right because we are in the middle of nowhere um so lawsuits happened the facility changed over to boys and then i will post uh, again the report that the texas youth commission had when they abruptly came in one day um, and surveyed the unit and immediately marcy immediately called for buses to get those boys out of there and shut that facility down that is how bad it was and it was bad like that when we were girls But after all our lawsuits, they said, okay, we'll get the girls out and we'll just house boys there. Um, And it just, I mean, it was no different. The boys were being abused just as much as we were, but you can imagine the stuff as girls in a system um, that was very predatory that that me and Amy endured. And you know, I, I was telling Lori last night on the phone, I was like, I'm so excited for Amy to be a part of the conversation. I said, girl, there is something about coming across women that did time at that facility that's like we just there's a bond here that it it doesn't matter it's been 20 years since i've seen you or talked to you we know right because that facility was so egregious
2: yes yeah We like i feel like we're part of a secret military or something right right (laughs) government ops for the undercover prison
0: advocacy (laughs) yeah (laughs) right Um, but, uh, what, if you guys would like, how old were you ladies, how old were y'all in that facility? What age? 15. I left at 15. Um,
2: I was there from off and on in and out of TYC from the time I was 13 to 15
1: yeah so and i was there from 15 until they sent me up um because i was under determinate sentencing so i had that adult suspended sentence um and i when i went back in front of the judge they sent me on to prison i think now there's a board that you go in front of but um yeah so that's why we were in two different dorms because i was in the the dorm with all the capital offenders um the the people that had determinate sentencing so we were just, we were teenage girls, man, like, like, and, you know, Amy knows that there were dorms that, um that had the girls that were uh 12 and 13. Like they were little girls.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was actually an 11 year old in one of the, they used to keep her in isolation all the time. There, those big doors they had in the back that were like metal and you know, they would, you know, click, 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 clack when you lock them, they click, clack. And um, we used to go talk to her and lay on the floor and look under the the little thing and just talk to her. I mean, she was eleven. I I used to just go check on her all the time. I hadn't just I couldn't understand why an eleven year old was there, um, so I used to go try to keep an eye on her. But um, if you wanna, I guess we could. Um, it'd be good to talk about the case a little bit um, that that we had. Um, I'll. I kind of wanted to tell everybody how, like the worst day of, of Bront ever, um, I wanted to talk about that day. Um, the worst day, well, actually, there was two, There were two days, but I'll talk about the absolute worst day at Bront, was the day that, um, we, it seemed like it was gonna be a good day, but um, they went to Blockbuster, back when Blockbuster was, you know, they used to go get movies and stuff. Uh, they gave us the opportunity to choose two movies So the two movies that we got to watch that we chose, one was Tombstone and one was Menace to Society. Uh, We got all through Tombstone, five, 10 minutes into Menace to Society, the the guards are like, oh my God, no, we gotta turn this off. um, What they didn't understand that they were doing, because they were country hicks, what they didn't understand that they were doing was they were being biased and uh, ra- racist at the time. We got all the way through Tombstone, which had a lot of gun activity, cussing, sex, drugs, whatever. I mean, Doc Holliday all throughout the movie. Um, but, you know, Tombstone, within the first 10 minutes, somebody gets their brains blown out and left on the street to die. And um, what's the difference between that and a cowboy fight? I mean, one's Compton, one's the country. Same thing, just different aspects. So um, what they did, we got 10 minutes into Menace to Society and then they started, They took it out and they told us we had to all go to our rooms. And immediately that caused an uproar within the urban community in the facility. And then chairs started flying uh, and a riot broke out. And um, me and Sarah Lowe looked at each other like, oh shit, let's go to our cell." So um, we quietly went to our cell and just looked through the window at everything that was going on and um, people were getting hurt. I mean, it was full-fledged war up in there. And that was the absolute worst day of my time there that I I just saw. It was horrible.
1: I I remember that. I I think that was near the time that Patricia, her name was Patricia, and uh, she got her hip broke Um, And she was put in medical in the observation and almost died, right? Like, Marcy, they took forever to get her medical care. Um, But, and, you know, so, and Marcy, interrupt if you want to ask a question, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, Or if you feel like we're getting.
0: No, I just want to say again. For anybody that's listening or watching that we're not talking about a prison riot like you see on tv with fully grown men that are capable of handling themselves we're talking about a riot with young girls with children and when they're talking about people getting hurt they're talking about children getting hurt And the staff are male and female grown. And these are the type of things that these ladies had to witness and, and survive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's interesting, right? When, if people are thinking, well, oh, y'all were just sitting around watching movies, right? Well, a lot of times, yeah. Like we were sent there for my parents. I found the paperwork, Amy, that the state sent my parents every month, that was a progress report and it had all this stuff and therapy stuff. But you know that our groups consisted of here, y'all watch a movie. Mm -hmm. If we had a case manager, the case manager changed every other month. So you don't have that. And this is what I've talked about when they, when, when I say setting matters in therapy, right? Because you've got, you know, case managers that won't stay. And so we, in, in the capital offender group, we had to tell our life stories and we had to tell our, our crime cycle, our offense cycle. And poor Priscilla was sitting there, went through three case managers. And you've got a staff member in there. You've got the male guard that's sitting in there while we're telling stories about, you know, I I would hope that things are a little bit different now, but we're telling our life stories about our abuse and all this other stuff. And I remember before um, this new case manager came in and with a guard that we all hated because he was a perv, um, Priscilla said I'm not telling this anymore and all of us sitting in that circle said don't we're not going to ask questions I said when when they come in tell them I was born and I'm here <laughs> there's my life story and let's all stick together and not say anything and you know it was one of those days like Amy's talking about where man that act of resistance pissed them people off something bad they fucking slammed a girl they sorry I'm I'm try not to use profanity, and locked us in our room for days. And it was, it was because of that simple act of defiance is that I'm, I'm tired of telling my personal abuse history in front of strangers all the time and in front of a guy that we all know is like sexually abusing women in the storm. I'm not doing it anymore. And any act of rebellion from us, like Amy was talking about, was met with immediate violence, immediate. And I, and I still see that in the youth system, right? And, and the thing is, they blame the children.
0: Well, even 20 years after you were in that system, then my, my little play child, Niala, she tells stories about being hogtied, about um, standing up for other girls against sexual assault and getting physically beaten. Um, being held down knees on her throat where she thought she was going to die. And so that that was 20 years later. And then now we have the letters and the information from people that aren't children that are incarcerated in this state right now. And we're hearing the same types of abuse.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, You know, Amy, you mentioned, um, sarah lowe and i I, i'm gonna put hopefully marcy can put this in the chat Mm -hmm. somewhere or somewhere on the screen that people can look up but it's the cbs story from years ago Mm -hmm. uh, about sarah so maybe you could start by you know i always try to bring sarah into a conversation because she she's the, the the ultimate story of, of that facility. So yeah, if you could talk about maybe Sarah, if you felt comfortable doing so.
2: Yeah. I might get emotional. Um, she was my cellmate. Um, it was like my big sister. And, um, she would protect us from pizza face. And um, she would go keep him happy or occupied so that we can go to the bathroom safely at night. Um, Cause some of us would be scared to even go to the bathroom at night. And we'd just um, run as fast as we could in the dark to the bathroom as fast as we can, run back to our cell. Um, and if I needed to go to the bathroom or anything, she would go occupy him so I could go safely. Um, and, uh, that's how I ended up, um, she, um, she through pizza face. I don't even remember his real name. Um, I got an inquiry, um, about his friend that was a guard there and he became, um, I guess my designated lookout boyfriend guard, my watcher, whatever. And um, I I began a little relationship with him. And it was, again, just a part of a ploy to uh, protect all the girls that were in there. Um, And Sarah, um, sadly, the the day that we won the lawsuit, um, Sarah was very mentally destroyed. Um, Sarah should have never been incarcerated. Sarah should have been in a mental health facility. And um, I blame everybody, her parents. I blame the system. I blame everybody. Um, Everybody failed her. Um, And uh, the day that we won the lawsuit, um, she committed a double. Well, she committed a murder homicide or suicide murder. Um, She went and killed her fiance and then um, killed herself. And I don't know how she did it. This always got me. I absolutely don't know how she did it, but this is what they say um, that she blew, she shot herself twice in the head, once in the head and once here. I don't know how you can do that, but that's what they say happened. And I was so upset that day because um uh, I was I was at job corps. I was going to job corps at the time. And I we didn't have cell if cell phones weren't really a thing back then. This is like 1998, 99 and 99. And the day that I got the call from her, um I wasn't home to take it. Um but she was probably calling to tell me what she was going to do. And um I missed the call. And then when I couldn't get a hold of her for a few days, I called our t- attorneys to find out what's going on wheres Sarah and they told me what happened and that she had killed herself and her fiance and for her it wasn't about the money that we got and, and I think the total settlement settlement was 1.6 million dollars between 12 12 girls um, but um, it wasn't it wasn't about the money the guy pizza face didn't even get any time. He got 10, maybe 10 years probation, I think. Um, and the guy who uh, was responsible for dropping the letter that they found that blew up my whole situation um, was the, the guy, I don't wanna say his name, but um, they didn't get any time. They didn't get any punishment at all for what they did. We were children. And how in the hell, how dare the state not hold them accountable and use them as an example of what not to do? How dare them? How dare every adult involved in that situation? And um, sadly, I've even reached back out to my attorneys every now and then over time. And what I found out is um, the state had actually said something about our attorneys doing us wrong in the case, and we didn't even know anything about it. So I think we got taken advantage of by everybody. And oh,
1: for sure, Amy, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody took advantage of us. Um, you know, I remember th- that specific point, and I'm glad you brought that point up, too,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that it was every adult in our life that failed us. Mm-hmm. And um, the judge, I remember I got the, the, the letter from the attorney. I was at the Riverside unit, and um, he said, well, I'm just letting you know that, you know, The judges interfered with our client relationship and is mandating that we 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 gave fees that were too high. Girl, their fees were almost 50 percent, Marcy, for that lawsuit. And we didn't know. We just we 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 knew we wanted to do something even as young women. So we agreed. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was about holding them accountable. And, And to your point about Sarah she didn't, she didn't give a damn about the money. Like she was like, well, she asked her parents, well, are they going to say they're sorry? Are they going to acknowledge what they did? And they're like, well, no, the agreement is that we all just lay it to rest. And this is, we move forward and we'd not talk about it. And that drove her over the edge because for us, it really wasn't about the money. It was about, I want these people to answer for what they've done to us but then our own attorneys were charging us almost 40 to 50% and the judge intervened and said, absolutely not. You give a percentage that you've taken, um, you know, back to them. Um, so you're right. Everybody did. And, and to the point too, that those guys that were taking advantage of all, uh, all of y'all and just straight up sexually assaulting girls in that facility, Marcy, they were, pending charges with sexual abuse stuff in another county. But the private facility, right, was um, skimping on paying for background checks. Like, we got the cheap end of everything, food, material, school stuff, whatever it was, because they're saving money because they're a private corporation. And guess what? They won their ACA Awards Private Facility of the Year every year until this blew up every year. And it's like, uh, uh, how, how? And that's all it was ever for was a money making venture for the state with a third party private facility. And this is the kind of stuff that happens. Not that it doesn't happen in in the state owned facilities, but um, it had every ingredient that we talk about for a perfect storm.
0: Tunchi, how did the lawsuit come about?
2: And just go ahead. Oh my god. In the re, most absolute re, I this is this is we need to make a movie. Um nobody would have ever known about anything had the guard that was my uh guard uh he wrote me a letter and dropped it at a, the local store. And somebody that worked there That works with him saw a letter fall out of his pocket and they picked it up off the ground read it and brought it straight to the director of the facility and that's when they yanked me out of my room brought me to the director's office and interrogated me like i was doing something wrong and i had no idea what was going on um and then she hands me the letter and lets me read it and it's the guard that was you know, the guard for me. Um, and he was telling me um, I, he needed to have my mom and grandma's address. Um, he was gonna move out to California. He was gonna leave his family. Um, he wanted to be with me. Uh, I was only 15 at the time, I think 14 or 15 um, at that time. Um, I had just turned 15 when I finally got released, which was shortly after that. But um, they made it seem as if I was doing something wrong and I couldn't even believe I didn't even know what was going on. And it was all because he dropped a letter. And and then as I'm reading this letter, I mean, it's just he's professing his love to me, saying he's going to leave his family. And and he's demanding my mom and grandma's address, wanting to know their phone number and everything so he can keep all this information. And somehow all that was my fault.
0: This relationship with a staff member, an officer that you participated in out of pure survival as a child. And still you as the victim were made to feel like the perpetrator. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Like I seduced him.
1: Yeah,
2: I seduced him like you have a wife and kids. I mean, his wife harassed me. They used to allow his wife to call me and harass me. And she would say, why are you doing this to my husband? Why are you ruining our lives? And I'm like, Oh my God, why are you guys even allowing this woman to call me? I'm continuously getting abused. I'm in here. Who's protecting me? Nobody was protecting me. And, um, I, it's just so confusing as to how they allowed this woman to call me and harass me because her husband dropped a letter professing his love to me. Somehow I'm still the victim. I'm like, did this woman not see the letter? Right. Like, did she not know who her husband is? Um, I'm 14. Hello? Uh.
0: So from that, then how did it develop into- The lawsuit.
2: Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, well, after um, I had gone on with my life, got out, it was about 2018 or early 19, I got a call from Sarah and um, she's like, hey, um, you wanna get the bad guys? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I got a way to get the bad guys. And I was like, okay. She goes, I'm gonna have these people call you And they're going to fly you to Dallas and you're going to come stay with me for about a week. And I was like, all right, shoot, I'm ready. I was in California and um, I went back to Texas and uh, met the attorneys and they told us about the lawsuit. Um, Sarah had started the lawsuit. She was the initiator of the lawsuit. And um, they told us that they had all the proof they needed to make sure that um, we could get the bad guys. And that meant the state so I, I believe as a part of the original lawsuit it was the state of texas it was tyc and it was Wackenhut. um so I, I think they were all involved in the lawsuit um and that's that's how it started and uh i mean i thought they were doing us a good thing i thought they were doing us a favor but you know years later then i, I realized they too were taking advantage of us so i just uh I, I Now that I'm older, I've actually talked to the attorneys uh, again. Penny Rainey and um, I think it was Mr. Dunn.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but um, I think they don't—they th- don't know I know, you know. They don't know I know. And I've reached out to Penny a few times and asked her. I said, "Hey, is it okay for me to talk about this stuff yet?" I don't want to get sued. And she's like, "Well, huts out of business now, so it really doesn't matter." Um, but. Um, I, I just wonder how they feel, you know, not uh, they never told us that they were doing us wrong either. But as an adult, it'd be nice right. to hear her say something about it and to let me know that I let her know that I know that they also took advantage of it.
0: Yeah, this this story that you guys survived, it does sound like a movie. It doesn't sound realistic. It doesn't sound I mean, it sounds like someone with a a big imagination sat down and wrote this story about the terrors that you all survived with in that facility in particular and then how the officer relationship had to form for safety and how i mean and then later the lawsuit but the problem with this is like it it's not it doesn't really have a happy ending like it wasn't a yeah then the bad guys went to jail or then you know they it's it's you got a little bit of money and you were still victimized throughout the process. The,
2: The thing I was most upset about now that I'm older is the fact that why would you give me at that young, 19, that much money and not have anybody help me figure out what to do with it? I was having parties every weekend. I was buying my friends everything. I was going to LA all the time, eating $400 steaks a day nobody told me what to do with that money. Nobody told me about wealth. Nobody told me anything. I mean, there were things I really needed to get done. Uh, I went and bought a car cash. I, I did what I thought I was supposed to do with the money that was gone in like six months and everybody around me at the same time. I, to this day, I, um, I despise money. Um, I'm afraid of success because if money equals success to people, that doesn't equal success to me. Because when I had money like that, um, people preyed on me and left me like a carcass on the side of the road when my money was gone. So I don't equate success with money. And I despise money, and and it actually still affects me to this day. I have a problem with people who brag. I have a problem with people who um, money's their motivator. uh, Because to me, it's not about what money can do for you. It's honestly for me, I want money in my life so that I can do more for others. I, I want money so I can help others. But what happened to me when I had money was people used me, um, used me until I had nothing left. And that's not success. Money doesn't equal success to me because of that incident
1: yeah well, and you know I'm, I uh, I'm thinking about as you're saying this, what what did I do with the money? Um, and and two, the the way the lawsuit started out for for me was around the same time in 99 98. Um, I got the letter from Penny that says we're doing this lawsuit. Um, she told me about Sarah uh, and Amy and Lori uh, Lori, I can't remember her last name. She they gave your name and, you know, so it went from there. Uh, but so when I finally got my lawsuit money, I, too, did not know what to do. And I didn't tell my dad about it, Marcy. I, I didn't. I did all of this on my own because oh. I did not want my parents to know what happened to me in that facility. I, I didn't. So I just handled this the best I knew how. Like I'm trying to trust the attorney, although when I got the letter that, that the judge made them give us some money back. I was like 40%. Damn. That seems like a lot. That doesn't seem right. Um, but you know, still I'm doing it by myself. Marcy, I gave power of attorney to my girlfriend's ex-husband in prison. Thank God he didn't steal the bulk of it. But by the time you know, I broke up with her. She was, she was using me. She was using me for money. dum dum. <laughs> you know what? I, but I didn't know. I didn't understand that. Right. I wanted to be a good girlfriend and, and she's buying every, she's blowing all this money on commissary. We used to could order craft stuff. She was buying hundreds of dollars of stuff to do in piddling craft things, sending money to her daughter. And I'm like, Oh, Oh God. Um, so I'd asked the ex-husband, can you send me my monthly statements? and the numbers were different than what i'd been keeping track of and i remember sitting down we were watching charmed in the day room (laughs) and i looked at my friend and i said tammy something's wrong she goes what do you mean and i showed it to her she goes you need to you need to tell your dad so Mm -hmm. i tell my dad my parents had a visit and my dad's like i'm gonna try real hard not to yell at you right now he said why didn't you just come to me i said because i didn't want you to know and i wanted to handle it by myself so they got our family attorney to get in contact with this guy, he eventually turned over what was left of the money, and lot several thousands of dollars was missing. And my dad said, "You chalk it up to experience, lesson learned, um, you know." But but you know, people preyed on me because here I am in prison telling people I want a lawsuit. <laughs>
2: like, oh my god! Don't
1: do that. And they were on me like like ants on a drop piece of candy, you know what I mean? And so I had some to to at least get a car and go to school when I got out the first time, but I too was still young in my head and I spent all of it. I mean, I did get a car and at least go to college, but it's gone now. And and to Marcy's point and and to yours about success, right? Like this wasn't even our real motivation behind this, um, but also like, again, nobody doing any type of helping us understand what to do with it. They and
2: should have, yeah, they, they should have set us up in a, in a trust or something Yeah, that trusts up for us. They should have given us free college or something, too. I mean, the state owed us more than that. We should have all gotten free college at UT. I would have loved to have a law degree.
1: Well, and let, let me add this point, too, that's important and I I don't know if I've ever shared this with Marcy. So while we were there, and I tell this to legislators, you know, we thought if people just knew what was happening, they would make it stop. And then you come out and you look at the history of youth justice, right, air quotes, in Texas, and you see that this has been a cycle of abuse that has happened for over a century, right? And I remember really thinking that Senator Whitmire and I'm going to call him out right here. Uh, I appreciate that he does do good, impactful things. Mm-hmm. However, it, it was so devastating that when I last year found out and was looking through some of his uh, contributions and reading old um, news releases about prior abuse scandals, right? And he's like, this is not going to happen to our kids. And he knew about what happened way in the past with us in Bront with, with the Wackenhut Corporation. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was taking money from the GEO company for his campaigns.
2: You know what? I found
1: that out and I was like, I am, I feel so betrayed right now.
2: mm -hmm. Our case is actually a part of their permanent training program. Their training manuals now reference our case. I would like to also um i would like to invite senator Whitmire to an event in houston where marcy's going to be in houston um, at the power center the community collective in houston on october 14th or 15th senator Whitmire is more than welcome to come i invite any other political um representatives that want to come out to uh explain what's going on and and what direction we're going in together um, as we move forward with anything in regards to the criminal justice system and the families that it affects Um, i'm doing a financial literacy workshop and seminar with a bunch of self-made people um, and i'm kind of setting the table for everybody around me um, so that i can help people learn how to build real wealth Um, luckily i've gotten into the financial realm and financial literacy is something that i strive to teach on a daily basis to everybody around me and it's all out of what happened to me in the past and um i would love for senator Whitmar to come out i've already emailed him i i've emailed quite a few senators um it would be nice for them to show up and and um let us know what's going on and i think uh, have over a thousand people at my event, so it's a great opportunity for him to come and speak to the people about his campaign. Um, and I, I hope he hears this, I hope he gets this. Um, but Senator Whitmire, you're more than welcome to come to my event. I would love to have you come out, I'd love to meet you in person. Me and Jennifer both would love to meet you in person, and um, uh, hopefully, we can get you to sit down and, and interview you on Marcy's podcast.
0: Yeah. We, we have sat in front of Senator Whitmire before and answered questions testifying at legislation this past session, um, but it would be interesting to have a conversation with him outside of that for sure. I wanna talk about um, the Finish the Five project, Tunchi. You guys just had a workshop this past week. Can you just, um, because I also wanna talk about a few other things. so. You know, you can get long winded, girl. (laughs) Give me the short version and then also give us how we can get involved with that campaign.
1: Yeah. So, Finish the Five is a campaign to close the five remaining state facilities that, you know, have we've seen the atrocious abuses that we've talked about, uh, that me and Amy have discussed at the private facilities. It happens in the state facilities too, Um, getting state school. These are historically. These facilities are decades old um, and they have a culture of of violence and shortage of staff, again, in very rural places. So this calls for the closure of those facilities and to reinvest in community structure and community um, programming that would keep kids closer to their families and would provide real treatment and um, not rely on the state to, uh, you know, work with our kids in our community so that's what the vision is if you would like to get involved with it you can reach out to me or marcy Um, you can also google finish the five texas uh, and it should pull up uh, the website and you can also add your name there and you'll be a part of the coalition Um, we did have a workshop where we were talking about strategies moving forward after the legislative session Um, ways that we can stop new facilities from being built, because the state of Texas has decided, well, we're just going to build two brand new, shiny, sparkly facilities uh, near, you know, bigger cities. And it's like, "Mm, well, why don't we keep our kids in our community like Williamson County does? So Mm -hmm. reach out to me if you want to be a part of it.
0: Thanks, Toonch, And I think that's so important. We talked about how a carceral setting does not offer any opportunity for healing or rehabilitation. It's not a safe place for us emotionally to be able to get over whatever whatever children that are troubled need to get over. They They weren't born that way. Right. These kiddos weren't born that way. They experienced traumas in their life or mental health disorders, and those things need addressed. So what we're finding is kids graduate the juvenile system and end up, um, Tunchy like you in the adult system. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, so ladies, we just have about five or six more minutes, but Amy, you have a daughter who is incarcerated. She's on the hobby unit here in Texas. And hobby is one of the larger women's prisons. And it's also one known for basically the worst conditions and the most violence.
2: Yes. Um,
0: I want to also
2: be a part of that campaign, Jennifer. My daughter is the perfect um, story behind that. She was on an IEP in high school. She got Mm -hmm. kicked around in school all the time. She was dyslexic. Nobody took the time to help her. Um, They didn't adhere to the rules of the IEP. Um, And I fought for years to get her approved for mental health services through the state. Um, And then right when she turned 18, she got approved for social security disability for uh, mental health issues, and then she went to prison. Um, I tried to put my daughter in seven different mental health facilities and drug treatment centers. Um, Insurance kept denying it. Um, I want to change uh, and fight insurance legislation um, because I think that any time a child or a person, a young person under the age of 25 gets uh, addicted to drugs or has a mental health problem, I would like for them to have considered long-term residential drug or mental health treatment at least three times before prison is even a consideration. Um, my daughter didn't need to be in prison. She shouldn't be in prison. Um, every day, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is look to see how hot it is. And depending on how hot it is determines the level of my PTSD for the rest of the day. Um, if it's above 80 degrees, I'm going to be worried if my daughter's going to make it or not that day. Um, she called right before the show and said, it's already hot. Um, and, uh, there are just so many issues I have with being in prison. Uh, oh, my God, that'd be a whole nother show about my daughter and this experience. But I'm disgusted. I am disgusted that there are people in there that don't know if they're going to live through another day or not because it's hot. And my daughter is one of them. They have to you. I'm sure you guys have had to lay on the floor and pick your boobs up and lay on the floor, the concrete. Yeah. That's what we, we, she just Mom, we throw water on the floor. We lay on the floor and pick our boobs up and get on the floor. That's what squirrels do when they're out. You, you ever seen a squirrel laying on all fours, hugging the ground? It's because they're hot. So we have human beings in the prisons, laying on the floor, throwing water on it, naked, lifting their boobs up to try to survive in a state ran or state federally fund, whatever, funded facility. Um, and it's disgusting. And they're drinking brown water and have been doing so in Marlin, Texas. And I looked up the mayor of that town. She's an Eastern star. They should be ashamed of themselves. Get it together. You know, um, uh, they, they, I I can't believe it. I'm disgusted. I, I talked to the warden yesterday. My daughter's tablet comes up missing all the time. I'm tired of replacing things that I buy all the time every other week I have to replace something else. And it's. I I asked the warden yesterday, why do I have to keep replacing my daughter's tablet? You guys want $200 for a tablet? Um, And she says, no. And I said, well, uh, Securus is telling my daughter in order to get another tablet, she has to pay $200. And she's like, oh, well, I don't have anything to do with Securus. Well, can you find out if Securus is taking advantage of our incarcerated people, please, and let me know. And, And if you can find anything out about that, You know, uh, why are they telling my daughter she has to pay two hundred dollars? So she said she's going to look into it and and get back to me.
1: That's a whole show. (laughs) Yeah, it fires me up. This bullshit with the Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's it's another way for them. You know, your daughter may not. She can't help if people are stealing her stuff. She can't help if a guard takes it and throws it across the room. You know, and this is another way to make money off of families. I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah, oh my videos. Yeah. I'm putting fifteen dollars on her tablet every other day. That adds up twenty, thirty dollars every other day, so she could sit in there and watch movies. I gotta live out here. I'm a single mom. I mean, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself. My rent is twenty three hundred dollars.
0: Tooch, maybe we should talk about that because we just have like literally a minute and a half left right now and but maybe we should talk about the businesses that are making money off of incarcerated yeah that sounds great you want to do that oh yeah
1: let's 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 deep dive into that with the data and everything
0: (laughs) yes so let's uh you and i are going to commit to do some research this week uh and come with the facts and then just also personal experiences i i lost 50 bucks to a company that's getting rich off of incarcerated families this week um, that that went into thin air. And I recorded, Brittany was on the phone with them. My girlfriend was on the phone with them and I recorded the conversation. And Brittany said, so I'm just out 50 bucks. Yes, (laughs) that was the answer. Yes, you're just out 50 bucks and we gained 50 bucks for nothing. (laughs) So, um, Amy, it has. And I I feel like we could talk and go on and on. And I'm sorry that we are on uh, on a time limit, uh, especially since it's a pre recording. But it has been such a pleasure having a conversation. Um, thank you for being so open and honest with us in your experiences. We know that that's not always easy, and we're so appreciative of that. Tunja, I think we should have her back oh, sometime. For sure yeah, yeah, so let's let's get together and plan on that um, several weeks out uh, because I want to talk about how it is to have a family incarcerated and advice for families and that kind of thing. Any final thoughts? 15 second final. I thoughts love all too. of you.
2: <laughs> if anybody is in the Houston area and would like to come to my event, it's called fintechlit htx if anybody has been infect- affected by incarceration in any way, you're more than welcome to come to my event
0: for free. I'm gonna put that info in the chat cause mm-hmm. I'll be live tonight watching with you guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye.